0: You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome.
1: On another exciting entry of Animation Deliberation, we cover, well, we're basically, this is our primer for Harley Quinn season three, but we're also going to discuss some feedback from Lightyear as well as address some news in the world of animation. So stay tuned for all of that. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. All right, folks, welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. My name is Jay Scotty St. Clair. And I'm Zahir Ali. What's up, Zuhair? How are you
0: this week? Doing pretty good. It's like we have so much content to cover, but this still feels like kind of a break week. since We're only covering a trailer and not like weekly coverage or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we talked about on our coverage of the Disney Plus Baymax series how we were somewhat surprised and maybe slightly disappointed that that wasn't a weekly series. But I think in the Mm -hmm. great scheme of things, it kind of worked out to give us all just a little bit of breathing room. This is definitely a uh, what we call the content overload season for animation but i'm I'm grateful to have a little breathing room and excited to to talk about all this stuff
0: yeah because there's definitely a lot of content out there that's non-animated such as stranger things the boys miss marvel Mm. like we're not shy of any content right now and feedback on all those shows can be seen on Bingers assemble and Marvel my universe
1: podcast but we definitely gotta make time to watch the other things too yeah indeed indeed we do especially when the shows are as good as they have been like we're not here to discuss Miss Marvel or the boys, but man. You these yeah, these seasons were made for some great summer watching. I was really happy with both of those series. I started Stranger Things today finally, since I'm caught up on everything else. I haven't watched Stranger Things since season two, but it is on my ever growing to watch list. Gotcha. And there's only so much I can avoid memes until then. Yeah, yeah, I, t- I totally get that. I think I've been spoiled on a few things, but, you know, that's yeah. the risk you take when you're interacting on the internet. True. All right, so uh, before we get into the news or our Harley Quinn Season 3 primer, we did have some feedback addressing Lightyear, as I understand, correct?
0: Yep, we have an email from TJ Stafford. My viewing of the film was delayed because we had to find a free weekend that we could bring my daughter. She's three years old and this was her first theater experience. She loved it, although it ran a little long for her and she was getting fidgety. Anyways, here's a few of my thoughts on the movie. You were talking about Toy Story references and I wanted to mention a few that I noticed. For one thing, the entire opening sequence was essentially one giant Toy Story callback. Buzz's reflection in the face shield is straight out of his first appearance in Toy Story, as is his line about the unstable terrain. Originally, he says that in regard to Andy's bed. In the original, he also comments on the lack of intelligent life, which leads to Woody sneaking up and startling him. As for the Zorg of it all, I can totally see why some might be irritated by the choices made. It didn't bother me as much, but I admit it is different than anything previously established. But if there is a sequel, there is a chance to course correct. I'm reminded of Iron Man 3's Mandarin Gate, and I think similar solution might be appropriate. Buzz Zurg appropriated the tech from the real evil Emperor Zurg, who could be less than pleased about that fact, and this will lead to the real conflict with Star Command. This was a very enjoyable film, and I'd be willing to bet that if there is a sequel, it will hit more of the beats that people were looking for in this one. There could be more space exploration, and a more extended conflict with Zurg's forces, but we'll just have to see how things shake out. My only other... Objection to this movie is that there's missing four key items: warp dark matter, Miranova XR booster. Fix it, Pixar. Until next time, TJ Stafford.
1: All right. And if I'm not mistaken, those four things he just mentioned were all characters from the Buzz Lightyear Star Command cartoon. They were kind of like his his yeah, that was a slide right? Okay. Okay. Cool. um Other than that, yeah, I just uh, I commend you, TJ, on your recall when it comes to the original Toy Story. It's definitely one of my favorite movies, ones that, one that I have very fond memories of. And uh, I think, you know, I did pick up on the whole opening sequence being an homage to that original Toy Story, but I really just kind of honed in on, like, the pieces of dialogue that were directly lifted uh, right out of Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the other stuff, I I do think you're right about the potential for a sequel, I really hope we get the sequel because I think, I think that's actually one of like the shortcomings of the movie. I think it invested too heavily on the fact that it was going to get a sequel and it didn't really... Don't get me wrong, I like the movie a lot and I think it's a solid movie. But I, I do think, like we mentioned it on our cast, it's the first Pixar movie to ever have post-credit scenes. Like mm-hmm. It was banking on the fact that it was going to going to get a sequel and I think maybe to its, its detriment a little bit.
0: And it also makes me wonder because of like the supposed issues that like Disney has been having with Pixar and like trying to kind of like shut down Pixar and just make it Disney animation. If that Mm. was one of the things that like Pixar kind of had to seed in so that they could like keep their stuff going a little bit longer, kind of like a buy Mm. some time type of scheme.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a valid point. I hadn't been, uh, had my finger on the pulse as much when it comes to like the behind the scene, behind the scenes news at at Pixar. But I do recall hearing some of those rumblings and I think you're absolutely correct. Yeah. They had to kind of uh, bend to the house of mouse's will a little bit in that regard. Yeah. Because I can, I can
0: just see that thing. It's like, try telling us to stop a toy story movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's also worth, you know, Re- mentioning again that it was the first Pixar movie to be released post-pandemic, well, post-pandemic, pandemic are we still in this thing? It's it's difficult to tell these days, but... The United the six- States currently is not. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, but, all that being said, it still was the first Pixar movie to be released in theaters again, not on the streaming platform Disney Plus, and I think the movies, what was it, Soul and Turning Red so far Uh, were the ones that were released on Disney+, and they were very well-received. And I think a lot of people, a lot of families especially, just got used to the fact that you can expect to find Pixar on Disney+. Plus. I mean, you're paying for it every month. Maybe that's why people didn't turn out in the theaters the way we anticipated they would. I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, it was onward. That was
0: the one that like hit theaters and it was only in for like a week before the pandemic hit and they had to take it out and it got like not I mean not bad reviews, but obviously like the numbers tanked quite a bit because nobody went to the theater for obvious reasons to see it.
1: Correct. Yeah, I think it came out on Disney Plus maybe like a month later and that's when I Mm -hmm. caught it. But then even on the other side of things, just like the Disney animation um, studio films, I think Raya, which we covered on the show Raya and the Last Dragon was probably the one that got the longest theatrical run that I can think of, like even Encanto, which was very, very well received and even won an Oscar. Like it's theater run was very short and I don't think it had the best numbers, but it really blew up once it hit Disney plus. So yeah. Raya was one of the
0: ones that kind of hit as Things started opening up. So it was an excuse mm-hmm. to just kind of go out, but it was also a fantastic movie. So
1: yes, it was, of course it was. just you have to stay out that long. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I I can totally see a future where, unfortunately, I want to see these movies on the big screen, but given their inclination to be more family films, I can kind of see a future where we see fewer and fewer of them being released on the big screen and them becoming staples of the Disney Plus suite, for better or for worse. You know, Bob's Burgers is technically a Disney movie now. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's Fox is owned by Disney. <laughs> I yeah. was
0: going down the list and I was like, why is this on here? Oh, <laughs> 20th century.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I caught that in theaters and was glad I did, but I, it's already on Hulu. So I'm I'm looking forward to rewatching it, especially in preparation for an upcoming interview we have with Max, uh, Kazerman who, I guess he was the composer of that film. I know the show's creator Lauren Bouchard played a big hand in the music that uh, came out on there, but I'm looking forward to discussing that with him and getting a better understanding of exactly how they came up with the the music for the movie because it's the best part of the movie, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's carmazin or carmazin, but Maxwell Carmazin is the concert master for boss Burgers movie. Concert master, okay, cool. It's a cool title. It is very cool. <laughs> so, yeah, if anybody has questions for him. uh, Please send us an email at animationdeliverationpodcast at gmail.com and we'd
1: be happy to read it for you to him when we do that interview soon. Yes. Good call. Okay. Did you have anything else to bring up about TJ's Lightyear feedback or should we talk about some of the news in the animation industry these days?
0: Yeah, we can hit the sad news real quick just to get out of the way. Um, This was really, this was a big bummer for me and my uh, friends that I grew up with, but the Yu Gi Oh creator uh kazuki takahashi was found dead at sea at 60 i actually mm. didn't know what the story was until i was looking it up today like for this and apparently it was while he was snorkeling like he died oh, while no. he was in the water and his body was found at shore and i was like that's so depressing <laughs> um,
1: wow yeah that that story just got like it's an, it's an absolute tragedy but the, it got more and more interesting as you told me more about it it was like okay he died at 60 that's kind of young i wonder what yeah. the cause of death was and then he died at sea yeah it, he died while snorkeling i mean it, it don't, i don't mean to laugh because it is an absolute tragedy but it's just what an interesting way to go um it's definitely a loss for the an, the anime fan base the the world of animation i'm not the biggest uh yugioh fan or I don't know as much about Yu-Gi-Oh because it was just kind of a a time in my life where I wasn't uh, as invested in those types of things. But I can certainly appreciate the influence and the impact it had on so many of my peers. And I know that Yuzu hair uh, are are still a big Yu-Gi-Oh fan. So um, sorry for your loss. Yeah,
0: it sucks. Like I still have all my cards when I was kid. Like, I don't know if you can see it, but there's like a little shrine right here that has like three of the cards and the Funko for each one over it. Okay. But like, those are the cards from like the starter deck that my mom got me. That was like the front one on there. So those were like the big three. Gotcha. Uh, so for the listeners who do know, there's a Dark Magician, Blue Eyes, White Dragon and Red Eyes, Black Dragon chilling on there uh, hmm. that you can see over my shoulder. And I still have like my dual disc and uh, it's it was just such a great show. It was so much fun, like going to comic book stores after school to like play Yu-Gi-Oh! with like random people who were over there and playing on Saturday afternoon stuff like that so it was just super sad to see that but man mm. what a legacy and just all the memories
1: yeah I, if you have to go at least leave a legacy behind and something that you know people will remember you for and Oh is certainly one yeah. of those things so he can definitely be proud of the the impression he left on the world and at 60 at least he went out doing something cool it's not just yeah true that True that
0: like being adventurous at that age. Like that's amazing.
1: Yeah. I I always get a little scared when I see that like comic book artists or like animators like (laughs) die around that age because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's a job where you have to sit a lot of the times. Yeah. Yeah. Blood clots are a thing. Strokes are a thing. So, you know. Just a little PSA. If you are sitting listening to us right now, get up, walk around, get yeah. your heart rate up a little bit. It's, it's podcast still
0: work on a trail, <laughs> definitely. Okay, all right. Our, so on to more positive news. Shout out to Andre Sparks for sending me this. But two of the shows cool. that we covered and really enjoyed were nominated for Emmys. The first mm. one being Chippendale Rescue Rangers, nice, and the second one being Star Wars Visions,
1: sweet. Yeah, um, as I'm looking at. The article that I've got here for Outstanding Animated Program nominees, I also see What If, which we covered, uh, Arcane, which we brought up many times, Love, Death, and Robots, which we brought up, and then a one that we actually did cover uh, in a one-off episode, The Boys Presents Diabolical. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, listeners, clearly we talk about interesting stuff. Like, everything we talk (laughs) about comes up being popular, so... I think yes. we're worth listening
1: to, and worth <laughs> recommending to your friends to listen to. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, as I'm just looking down the list here, uh, Bob's Burgers was also nominated. Rick and Morty, The Simpsons, Robot Chicken, oh, I and then one that I'm Morty. yeah, yeah, one that I am not familiar with at all is called When Billy Met Lisa. I do not know this one. Huh. Well, listeners, if we should be covering when Billy let me met Lisa, please let us know. It's like what was the the movie
0: that we were told about so much in December? It's like Somebody versus the Machines. Oh yeah, The Mitchells versus the Machines. I actually Yeah, like more. I had never heard about that until we started yeah. getting the emails of like what was the most anticipated movie. I was like, "Oh, I guess I'm, I'm obviously I'm still behind if I can't remember the name, but uh, we still need to watch Arcane. Oh, I still need to finish Arcane too." <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Too much content! content. Yeah. The floodgates have opened. Get to it. Vox Machina and Arcane will be covered before the end of the year. I'm putting
1: that in the universe. (laughs) Yes, yes. You heard it here. Uh, Okay. Um, Anything else to say about these nominations? Anything that particularly surprises you? Any omissions that you're sad to not see make the list?
0: Um, not really, just because I don't keep up with award shows and anything like that. Like, good content is just good content for me, but I'm glad that the shows that we cover and adore and enjoy talking about are actually on a platform that other people talk about a lot, too. So, yeah, um, you know, whatever it takes to get people to get more interested in animated content and preferably like the show in the process, too,
1: is just a win. I'll co-sign to that. Yeah. Um, I guess if I had any kind of surprise about omission, is just the lack of anime. You know, we've covered a number of animes on the show. Um, I What's don't know. the criteria
0: for that? Like, does it have to be like American made or? Oh, that's,
1: you know what? Yeah, I don't know about that. That's actually a great question. Yeah, I'll we'll have to we'll have to do some research and and follow up on that, but it, that may be the case. They may have to have been, you know, created in the in in America, but I'm not 100% sure. Interesting.
0: Huh.
1: Yeah. Regional Emmy Awards are also printed throughout
0: the countries at various times through the year, recognizing excellence in local and statewide television. In addition, the International Emmy Awards honor excellence in TV programming produced and initially aired outside of the United States. So is that a different show? Uh, you know? Oh, again, for shows like... that are co-produced between co-produced between the U.S. and foreign production companies, they may be eligible if they initially aired outside the U.S., or if the broadcast dates were within a few days of each other. So that there is like an international Emmys. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes and then sense. there's and the American one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The collaboration between like the United States and other countries makes sense too, because I was just thinking about it and love and death, uh, love death and robots, volume three, I think one episode in particular, I'm, I'm fairly certain was, was uh, created in another country. It's one of the ones that's been discussed the most, so. interesting. That would be great if there was like an Emmys just for anime. Like the hey, anime awards? Uh, I think they're called the Annies. I think there is. An, Annies? An, yeah. Yeah. So we'll have to keep our uh, ears to the ground when those awards start to uh, start getting nominations and front runners and whatnot. We'll have to maybe do a uh, an awards episode. Interesting. Yeah,
0: that'd be something fun that we just did on the show. If there wasn't like an official one, hey,
1: we, uh, we can do it. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Ah, cool. Right in with your nominees. <laughs> 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 All right. Anemones. <laughs>
0: uh, anemone. Anemone. anemone.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I live in an anemone. <laughs>
1: That is my favorite Pixar film. I'll have you know.
0: (laughs) My sister loves Story.
1: Mm. All right. Well, I guess it's that part of the show where we will move on to what I'm calling the meat and potatoes of the episode. We've got the animated series for Harley Quinn. Season three drops this time next week on HBO Max. Uh, I'll just come out of the gate saying... I've been longing to cover this show in in some fashion and given the show's kind of tongue in cheek nature, there is a, a canon. It follows a certain storyline. It's serialized, but it's not one of those shows that it makes a ton of sense to like give like a full breakdown. I guess there's an overarching story, which we can kind of cover. Uh, but it's, it's mainly just a a comedy and it's like Bruce, Tim and Paul Dini who were responsible for that, you know, the Batman, the animated series from the nineties of the classic one, they're coming back. They embrace that tone, but like fully make fun of it. And mm-hmm. so many great voice performers, Haley Quoco as Harley Quinn is doing something entirely different than Margot Robbie. And it's just great that both of these versions can exist. And yeah, I mean, the show is violent. The show is irreverent the show is sexy at times. I'll even say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's one of the things I love the most about the show is like, it has so much respect for the DC universe and all these characters, Mm -hmm. but it's not afraid to make fun of not a one of them. Like everybody gets their, everything's a target. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. Bane. Bane
0: is the best part. (laughs)
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, and yeah, Bane, I believe is voiced by Doug Benson and he's obviously, uh, he did the voice in the Lego Batman movie, if I'm not mistaken. And he's really just embracing that kind of like everybody that made fun of Tom Hardy after the dark Knight rises with the,
0: it does a phenomenal job at his voice performance.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I, We are going to kind of give our reactions. There was a teaser trailer that was released on June 28th. That was about a minute and 30 seconds, I want to say, off the top of my head. And then just three days ago, we got the full trailer um, that clocks in about two minutes and 35 seconds. seconds. Okay, cool. So uh, before we get into that, I did want to just kind of like, you know, give a brief overview of like what took place in season one and season two. Just in a nutshell, season one is really – like the first episode is the – it's basically Harley and the Joker's breakup. It's the – The
0: emancipation of Harley Quinn.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. It's the final straw. He just shows time and time again how he does not care about her and she still wants to go running back to her. But she has this friendship with Poison Ivy who's just telling her, you know, you're you're a mental health, like, psychiatrist. You should recognize these behavior patterns, like – he doesn't care about you. Do better. And through the course of that, she finally comes to the realization that that is the case. She wants to strike out on her own as a supervillain. She wants to join the League of Doom, which, you know, initially she's treated like a joke. So she assembles, she assembles rather, her ragtag crew, which consists of Clayface, Dr. Psycho, voiced by Tony Hale. Clayface is Alan Tudyk, uh King Shark, voiced by Ron Funches. Uh, who else? She's got this this cyborg guy named Cyborgman, who is also like her uh, landlord, and he's voiced by Jason Alexander. Poison Ivy helps out from time to time, and her plant, Frake, who's voiced by J.B. Smoove. Uh, am I missing anybody? I think that's everybody.
0: I think that's the gist of it, yeah.
1: Okay. So, yeah, the, the first season is her cutting her teeth as a supervillain, learning the hard way, and really proving herself to the Legion of Doom and uh, basically showing up the Joker and uh, the Joker at the end of that season basically destroys the city of Gotham and he and Batman are both to be, are both believed to be dead and missing. Oh, uh, uh, I can't believe I glossed over uh, Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon voiced by Christopher Maloney is absolutely hysterical He's got like. I used to
0: be such a damn good cop.
1: Yes, yes, he's a (laughs) broken shell of his of his former self. Uh, He's gone through a divorce. He is borderline obsessive with Batman, much like the Joker himself. And uh, yeah, and (laughs) uh, Alan Tudyk does such a great Mark Hamill impression. You think he's doing a Mark Hamill impression? I guess it's pretty close.
0: Yeah. He's definitely trying to sound like as Mark Hamill as he can.
1: (laughs) Okay. I never really considered it that way, but yeah, he's definitely one of my favorite iterations of the Joker. We've talked about young justice at length and I love that show, but that version of the Joker has been one of the like, yeah, places it's continually kind of dropped the ball for me. So uh, it's just such a sadistic (laughs) hole. It's just, it's perfect. He does such a phenomenal job. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yes. Yes. And it
0: was um Doom Patrol season two, because Alan Tudor mm. was like the main villain of that. And yes, when yes. they had to go to like that the white space, they okay. were like, Where did he go? It's like, oh, he's doing something animated now because he was <laughs> busy doing Harley Quinn. So just like oh. it it really like it doesn't take itself too seriously, but just honors so much DC stuff and just the okay. continuity between that's just
1: so brilliant. Nice, <laughs> nice. I had seen Doom Patrol season one, but I hadn't seen season two. So it's great to hear like the synergy and the interconnectivity there that they can poke fun like that. That's that's (laughs) excellent. That's great. Uh, And then
0: Kaylee Cuoco, I just have to say, is just freaking phenomenal in everything I've seen her in, which isn't too many things. It's only three, but like she Mm -hmm. kills it Um, between Big Bang Theory, this show and Flight Attendant, all available on HBO Max. Like she is just incredible. I just learned today that her sister is actually who voices barbara gordon yes because i was watching a little bit today and i was like did kaylee do both of these voices and then when i was watching the trailer for season three and the credits Mm -hmm. rolled through i was like ah nice
1: yes yeah i picked
0: up on that too yeah
1: um and yeah yeah i i can only echo your sentiments there Haley cuoco is definitely the heart of the show she's um, involved in the production of the show. I can't remember the name of her production company, but at the end of every episode, she, you get her little, the title card for her company and she goes, woof, woof. Yeah. It's a great way to end the show. And she's just injecting so much life, vibrance and energy into the roles. It's, it's very clear that she's really passionate about it and has kept it going. Um, but on on the subject of voice actors, uh, we brought it up when we did our bat animation in preparation for the Batman with uh, friends of the show, Reed Murphy and Emily Sissel, in which we brought up this version of Batman voiced by Diedrich Bader. And he's definitely the straight man for the show, as as Batman often should be. He's not the one necessarily cracking jokes, but just reacting to all these zany, larger-than-life characters. And I got to say, I mean, besides Kevin Conroy, he might be my favorite voice for Batman in the animated realm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the guy who voices Batman
0: for um, the DC animated universe mm-hmm. did a really good job. But yeah, his his grunginess and the way that he delivers his lines. I mean, it seems like season three, he might be getting a little more silly, but mm-hmm. um, overall, like he he kills it at the role. And I think he does what the show actually needs, which is not too much of the grungy, but not too much of um being not too much silly either. Yeah, yeah agreed whereas teen titans go like
1: everything batman did was a joke okay <laughs> that's i still want to see that movie teen titans go to the movies have you seen that no no not interested Don't... i i only ever watched the
0: show just kind of when it was on just because okay. like that was what replaced young justice when they were canceled for a while and then okay I didn't have Teen Titans either. So like the fact that that's what they gave us instead, it was like, I was just so get mad it. at that show. <laughs> I get
1: it. I understand.
0: Yeah. I wasn't mad at that show for no fault of their
1: own. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, just kind of moving along with this recap, season two picks up right where season one left off with the aftermath of, you know, Gotham city being destroyed. And this season's really about uh Harley it's like a power vacuum at this point, because the Joker's yes. gone, so
0: everyone's got like their gangs and they have like their sections of Gotham, and yes. Gotham isn't part of the United States anymore, and everyone's trying to like be the king of Gotham, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the the perfect way to describe it. It really is a power vacuum and everyone trying to kind of like move in and take their piece and it's a it's a chance for Harley to step up again. And uh, the other side that's like really explored more so is season one definitely set up like this really great friendship between Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. But season two really delves into the fact that I I know in the comics they had a romantic history. But this in season two, it really delves into like this unrequited love that's Harley starting to feel uh, for Poison Ivy. And Poison Ivy ends up having a relationship with Kite Man which is like just so unexpected. He's one of like the just, he's so dumb, but I love him. And uh, yeah. yeah, Harley ends up even like reaching out to dark side or dark side recruits her. And like that's the episode her I Parademons. just watched before we got on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the standout villains that I didn't know anything about before, but popped up in uh, I'm pretty sure both seasons, but season two for sure is the Queen of Fables voiced by Wanda Sykes in this show, and she basically just she's kind of like the evil queen from like Snow White or any of those like mm. you know fairy tales and she brings her creatures to life and uh she actually got like trapped by the Justice League in an encyclopedia and was like stuck there indefinitely so harley quinn freed her and that's actually based on the comics that's a real thing that happened and it's like hmm. part of the meta nature of the show is like joking that like that's a fate worse than death that's wor- worse than any imprisonment and it was kind of like overkill on the justice league's part to like basically just keep her trapped inside an encyclopedia cruel and unusual punishment
0: maybe a couple of our listeners who like to write in can give us some more background on that
1: yeah I'm sure TJ or Fabian probably have some. I like how I just do a call out instead of just Googling it myself. Like I just like talking (laughs) to the listeners more. Yeah, yeah. Um, Some other things that come to mind though is like the Riddler. We talk about that vacuum of power, the Riddler voiced by Jim Rash. um, Definitely kind of goes head to head with Harley for a while. But ultimately, as I recall, uh, one of the people on her team Dr Psycho ends up betraying her and actually becomes kind of like the big bad at the end of the season. Uh so they obviously have to vanquish him and then yeah Joker has one of the craziest turns I've ever seen in any show. He turns out he's not dead, surprise surprise, but he had like amnesia and went and lived like a normal life and became like a normal guy and like had a relationship with a woman with two kids. And Harley encounters him at, like, a a gala one night, and he's a bartender, but she immediately recognizes him, and slowly but surely, she kind of helps him get his memory back, and uh, he's back to his old ways.
0: Yeah, I haven't finished season two, so just kind of going off what you say for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, ultimately, uh, I mean, sorry, spoilers, but I think Um, you'll pick up on it. Yeah going it's into going, yeah just i mean going into season 3 with the trailer and everything like that the season 2 ended with Harley basically uh, not intentionally but she interrupts the wedding of Kite Man and Poison Ivy because Gordon had some big setup like a sting operation where he was going to take all the villains in attendance out and Harley's able to prevent that she wins over Poison Ivy because Kite Man actually leaves her because he understands that he needs better. He needs someone that loves him unconditionally and accepts him fully. So, I mean, as much as it's like a breakup, it kind of breaks up that trope of someone getting like left. Um, they come to a mutual understanding. It seems like they could potentially be friends afterwards and they ride off into the sunset. Fly off. No, ride right off. They go, they they're in a car and like, Driving away, being shot at, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs)
0: Sounds right.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, Which I think leads directly into the limited comic series that uh, Andrew brought up a couple of weeks back. I haven't had the chance to read it myself, uh, but from what I understand, the little synopsis I read is them on it's uh, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn on a cross country trip being pursued by Gordon, who's like completely unhinged at this point. So Batman and Barbara kind of have to like team up to bring him back to his quote unquote senses.
0: Yep. Uh, not sure if any are left, but I guess we'll find
1: out. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to just bring up about the show in general or the, the first season or the, what you have seen of season two.
0: It's hilarious. The dynamic between the characters is phenomenal. I love how much they call back to shows and movies that we've seen in a already. Mm Uh, all of it's just great. I can't wait for this next season. Like, as much as I've wanted to be caught up with the show, like, clearly I'm just wildly overwhelmed. Otherwise, I definitely would have because it is that good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, agreed. And if I'll I'll just say before we kind of like transition to covering these uh these trailers for season three, if you're listening to us for some reason and have not watched the show and have been on the fence, the first episode will tell you whether or not the show is for you. And we talk about how opening sequence. Exactly. Exactly. we talk about how animation is not just for kids, but this show is, is not for kids. It's, (laughs) um, I love the animation style. Like I said, it really does harken back to that original Batman series. And even with like Lex Luthor, he looks like the Lex Luthor from the Batman animated series or not Batman, Superman animated series. That was like, uh, released at the same time as, or or shortly after uh, Batman, the animated series and like fed right into that first justice league cartoon. So yeah. Are we ready to talk about these trailers? Let's do it. Okay. We're going to take a quick second to watch the trailers in real time to make ourselves as fresh as possible. And we will be right back after doing so. Okay. So we're, back from a fresh viewing of the Harley Quinn season three trailer. So here, what are your, your thoughts? Court of owls, nightwing,
0: Batman, the whole bat family. Mm -hmm. And what appears to be Jason Todd, like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it's going to be so much fun. Like, it seems like Ivy is actually going to be the main villain of it. And Joker is just going to be like messing with everything. Joker's running for mayor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what's his
1: space? Bane is going to be part of the team. Like yes, uh, just... I sprained my wrist playing table tennis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this all looks brilliant. I can't wait. Yeah, and we yeah.
1: get three episodes at once. Oh yeah, right on. Good call. Yeah, HBO Max has had a uh, kind of tradition of doing that at, at this point. Uh, I guess Peacemaker dropped two episodes, maybe three. I can't remember. Oh, I haven't seen any of it. Oh, that's a show I completely forgot about. Add it to the list. Uh, Stranger Things first. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, I I agree with you. I didn't, my mind didn't immediately go to Poison Ivy being the main antagonist, but certainly her terraforming Gotham City seems to be a major plot point. It seems like there's going to be trouble in paradise. With hers, I th- I think Ivy said something to the extent like you've changed and kind of recedes into her flower there. Uh, oh yeah, Nightwing. I sorry Andrew couldn't be here to give his love for Nightwing, but I I think I'm really gonna love this iteration of Nightwing, especially because he's uh, voiced by Harvey Guillen, who I know best from the show What We Do in the Shadows. He's Guillermo mm-hmm. the familiar in What We Do in the Shadows. So I just I kind of like chuckled to myself thinking like. He went from dealing with one, quote unquote, bat person in a vampire to another. Nice. And he's got a good voice. It's He's been groomed for the part. It might be a little overly serious, but it's
0: good. I think it's just serious enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I cringed a little when I saw Joker pounding on Robin, though. Mm. And the yeah. crowbar
1: and everything. I was like, oh, no, with they're going to make jokes out of this. Yeah, with his sparkly suit. Sequence. uh What else? I mean, I, I like the way the trailer opened. uh Just kind of establishing the tone of the show with Harley actually introducing the trailer. Just kind of shows the meta nature of the show.
0: So it's great how they're giving love to the animators too. It's like, hey, they're working hard for this.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Because it's not easy.
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. There were a couple uh of great lines about uh what she say. Tell. Ben Affleck, uh, I uppercutted his Soda Stream spread- or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, in the teaser trailer, I know there was James Gunn. Clayface basically turns into a chair. Oh, and yeah. Begging James Gunn to sit on him. So it's just, it's, it's great. Oh, thinking about that interconnectivity between the various DC projects and live action there, there was that sequence where they were falling through what looked like a multiversal portal, and it looked like the Gotham straight out of, the animated series we, we talked about how the animation really harkens to the the animated series and sometimes it feels like it's set in the same world but that shot in particular where they kind of dropped into gotham with a lot of reds and and blacks really made me feel like they might be visiting that alternate universe
0: and hey, maybe we'll see terry mcginnis
1: yeah very well good yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know if I have terribly too much more to say. I'm just really excited for it. Uh yeah. Joker running for mayor, poison ivy, terraforming. Uh it looked like at one point in time King Shark had a different kind of getup on. As a super meta comedy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh you, you looked at me funny when I mentioned King Shark's get up. It was like he was getting like thrown across like what looked like a bar to me, and it looked like he had like a cape and like, maybe he was, like, assume the role of, like, Ocean Master, potentially? I don't know. No, I was trying to think of this scene, and all
0: I could think of is, like, him chomping at the at the camera when his uh, name came up. Oh, okay. So, no, I, I can't think of anything in particular, but it's, yeah, he could either be playing cosplay, or there could be some interaction with uh, Aquaman. Who knows? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll find out soon enough. Yeah, I mean, I think the trailer's holding back a lot, Uh, but... Thank God. Yeah, there was uh, no mention of Dr. Psycho, so I'll be interested to see if Tony Hale returns in any capacity whatsoever. He'll definitely be missed, if not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you complain that DC doesn't have any good content, like, clearly you're not looking in the right places, because there's definitely diversity of it. There's definitely mm-hmm. really good stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know i I'm a fan of both d c as well as marvel i've I've never been one of those people that like understands why you would root for one against the other like they're both mm-hmm. there just enjoy both yeah but uh I will say if you're going to compare the two, I think that's one i mean we've we've talked about it at length how d c is definitely beating Marvel for the most part in terms of animation. What if it was a great series but I think this show in particular kind of exemplifies where DC is kind of superseding Marvel in some ways. Like Mm -hmm. they're not afraid to like make fun of themselves and kind of like take risks with like an adult oriented series like this. And that's something I would like to see from Marvel and the MCU potentially. I know being, you know, under the Disney umbrella, it's not as easy for them, but I think, you know, a character like Deadpool is the perfect opportunity to do something like this.
0: That's the closest they're going to get to testing the waters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know once upon a time, Donald Glover was supposed to be working on a Deadpool animated series, but uh, the plug got pulled on that fairly early on in the creative process, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. It was going to come out on FX, I think. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else you want to say about Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn season three? No, that's it for me. Okay. It comes yeah. up in what a week or two. Yeah, it should be dropping on 28th. the. What is it? I think it was the twenty eighth. Twenty eighth is correct. Yes. Wait. So. July twenty eighth. That is. Eat, bang, kill. Oh. Yeah, uh that's that does remind me of something I I read. I did see that the music composer for Harley Quinn, Je- Jefferson Friedman Friedman, excuse me, Jefferson Friedman, did confirm that there's going to be at least one full musical episode in season 3. Oh jeez. So, yeah. That'll I can't wait fun. to hear Clayface in that. Oh yeah, yeah, you know he's going to relish that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Too much fun. Too much. Okay. Uh, well, uh, yeah, at this point, I would say if you're excited for Harley Quinn season three and you've got any reactions to this trailer, these trailers, any speculation you want to throw out there, uh, you can do so at any of our social media presence. You can find us pretty much everywhere at Animation Deliberation. Uh, Twitter, it's animationdelib Delib1. Or shoot us an email or a, a voice recording at Animation Deliberation Podcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to include your voice on the show. Harry, do you have anything you'd like to let the people know about as far as plugs go? I'm really sad Miss Marvel is over,
0: but I've gotten to be on like three different podcasts just to talk about it, being a Pakistani American and a Smiley Muslim. So I mm-hmm. got to offer my insight on a lot of things. So Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, I might be doing a feedback episode with them, depending okay. on if our schedules line up. That's the plan right now. Uh, but the instant reactions are all there. So check out those episodes. Check out the interview with Anjali Bhimani. uh, 323 with Reed Murphy. We obviously talk sports, but got to talk Marvel on there as well. And then right after this, we'll be recording with Emily Sissel and Matthew Fox on superhero ethics to talk about Ms. Marvel as well. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a diversity in my conversation, my diversity in people that I talk with. But it was a fantastic series and it's just been a genuine delight to talk to the people and answer questions about you know the culture and whatnot and it's been a learning process for me too so yeah check out all those stuff and also check out our interview
1: with zach Barrick to talk about his new show and his experience with marvel which is a delight yes indeed thanks for bringing that up go back and check out that interview we did with zach it was a great conversation um talking all about his netflix series uh dead end paranormal park uh, as well as just kind of kibitzing as fans of animation and you know, picking his brain about some of his favorite things like horror and roller coasters and, and all that stuff. It was a really fun conversation. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up a couple of things that I'm just kind of registering now in the middle of plugs, so forgive me here. But just a few other things that stood out. Uh, we did see Swamp Thing. It's going to be great to see how Swamp Thing inter- interacts with Poison Ivy, especially with her, what appears to be growing power. And then Amanda Waller did show up in a big way. So with the James Gunn joke, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they incorporate her, especially knowing that talking about Peacemaker, Amanda Waller is the next confirmed character to get her own spinoff series. Did you watch the Swamp Thing show? I did not. It did was you? great. Okay. I heard I, mixed I things hate about the, it.
0: I hate the unfortunate circumstances to why they couldn't do a season two right away, but yeah. season one was awesome. I liked it. It was like it was just
1: it was just horror enough for my liking. Okay, cool, cool. I'll have to go back and check that one out. I'm pretty sure it's on HBO Max, right? Because it came out mm-hmm. on DC Universe or- or- originally. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yep. Well, um, on the subject of just horror enough, this is not anything I can confirm officially, but we mentioned Harvey Guillen voicing Nightwing what we do in the shadows season 4 just started airing hulu dropped the first two episodes i've seen the first one and last year pandavision did some coverage of that so karen huffsteller and i have discussed doing some coverage for season 4 uh but that's not 100% confirmed yet but if that's something you would like to see go back and check out our previous episodes boost the downloads there and hopefully we can get the go ahead from the Father, as i like to call him or <laughs> Papa Panda, as Zuhair affectionately refers to him, (laughs) as uh, Matthew Carroll. So uh, I think that'll do it for me. Thank you for tuning in, as always. It's T-O-O-N-I-N. Stay whelmed. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a
0: proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit StrandaPanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranda Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi Dodge is a registered trademark.